on this episode of AV Week, LG has released a wireless 4K. And oh my goodness, what does that do to the wireless spectrum? Also looking at how we educate and train the next generation of AV pros. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. This is AV Week, episode 625, recorded Friday, August 11th, 2023. Battling for bandwidth. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news, news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, from the Great White North, Mr. Brock McGinnis from uh, Nationwide. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me back, Tim. Always a pleasure to participate in the great conversations on AV Week. I appreciate it. And you, you add to those conversations, so I appreciate it. Uh, also with us uh, is an old dear friend, Mr. Christopher, uh, Christopher Hope from the Loop Lab. Welcome, sir. It's always a pleasure to be on the show and actually having a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, a young man I get to see in 25 days from the day of this recording, Mr. Dan Farisi from Commercial Integrator. Uh, and I'll explain why I get to see him in a second. How are you, sir? Good to see you, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. I know uh, last time you had someone from CI on, it was Amala, my, my right-hand person. And yep. I'm glad to be back here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amala is fantastic. Uh, will, will we get, so here's here's why I get to see Farisi in a second. Um, CDN comes your way uh, the 7th through the 9th of September. I am going, one of my favorite shows to go to. But here's the kicker. Last year, at the end of the show, CDN Expo, which is run by Emerald, which is who owns CI, said, hey, kids, just so you know, we're also going to do CI Expo next year in Denver. So Farisi's going out to Denver. I'm going out to Denver. You and I are going to hold down Mr. Neto and force him to eat a pineapple pizza. <laughs> I don't care if it's Detroit style or New York style. But tell folks really quickly, what is CI Expo and how does it all work together with CDM? Sure. So Commercial Integrator Expo or CIX 23 is going to be co-located with CEDIA. They're both in Denver in September. The idea is to try to leverage the synergies of CEDIA Expo, bringing together the resi side and Commercial Integrator Expo, bringing together the commercial side to try to build partnerships, recognize that the kind of non-overlapping magisteria of these two worlds actually overlap a whole lot more than people recognize. And even if your integration firm is not doing both resi and commercial work, we want to recognize the fact that it may be to your benefit to have a go-to resi partner or a go-to commercial partner so that if you have a client who is saying, well, I want you to do both my home and my office or my education space or whatever it is, even if you don't do it yourself, you have someone you can stand shoulder to shoulder with and have that kind of cross-reference relationship. So we want to bring the entire integration community, resi and commercial together at CIX and at commercial, excuse me, CIX and at CD Expo. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's There's been a lot of overlap over, good Lord, 10, 12 years. Uh, I know a lot of residential dealers who do um, some version of commercial, either restaurants or, you know, dentist office, doctor's offices and stuff like that. So th this has been, this has been a long time coming. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, again, I get to see Dan in, in about a month's time. Um, first article comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. They're taking a look at uh, education for the industry. Um, it features uh, 
uh, spotlights the education journey of a bunch of AV professionals. The piece del delves into the pivotal role of uh, both um, AV integrators technology uh, training programs as well as a number of uh, manufacturers and um, institutions such as Avixa, such as NSCA, such as Cedia and, and other uh, institutions. Um, one of the aspects of that, though, is the internship programs that a number of these programs, a number of these institutions have. Um, full disclosure here, one of the parts of the article references CTI um, and Webster University here in St. Louis and a partnership that we have developed. I work for CTI. They, they reference and, and, and quote my boss, uh, John Laughlin. That program uh, actually is a collaboration between CTI, Webster, and also Avixa because we leverage a, a number of their education uh, um, uh, materials uh, for that program. It's a fully credited um, course that pe people can take. Uh, Chris, I know that you do a lot of work there in the Loop Lab, both through internships as well as education. We'll start with you on this. Uh, when it comes to educating the next generation, educating the next generation of AV pros, how should we train folks to get them involved, to get them excited? about joining the community. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. I think Carolyn's article really underscores the significance of partnerships. I mean, within this example, you have Webster College, CTI, Avixa working together to really foster the development of future professionals in AV. And it's these kinds of collaborations and partnerships that are that much more critical in ensuring that we have a well-prepared pro-AV pipeline. Um, I think that the first issue I would really kind of outline is it has to be this uh, collaboration specifically for university and industry to come together for skill development. And so the fact that Avixa as well as CTI are sharing information um, and that there's actually a, a AV slash IT curriculum that is uh, essentially been uh, been that's been instituted. Uh, this collaboration really exemplifies how universities can work together with the, the pro-AV industry to bridge that gap between education centers as well as uh, generating opportunities for building practical skills in the workforce. Uh, another aspect that I'll share is this I idea of what I call industry collaboration to education. Um, and, and with that being said, like CTI, they're actively sharing their materials, their resources, um, and, and they're doing so with organizations like Webster University, uh, NSCA, and by contributing their expertise, CTI and other companies can help our students, our young people, gain these hands-on skills in the AV industry, um, and ultimately preparing them for a swift integration in the industry itself. Uh, the third piece I would share is that really how the industry itself is really going to adapt to changing job roles. I think the reality of artificial intelligence and the, the, the advent of automation within the AV careers is really something that is cutting edge and something that academia is already studying, already essentially creating curriculum to respond to. So, so I think having these collaborations is also impactful because now you have the industry as well as the academia kind of catching up to, with each other on, on the, cha the rapidly changing pro-AV industry that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Brock, we mentioned um, NSCA in, in the article. Uh, they've, of course, got their Ignite program, whether that's Ignite, whether that's, you know, the Avixa scholarships, which they have several. Uh, how do we get and how do we train the next generation of AV pros? Well, it's it's interesting that CTI is, uh, to me, that CTI is partnering with a, a university. Um, 
I look at so many of the people that come into AV as not being university type people. They're trades type people. Um, and uh, they're folks that like to work with their hands and they're folks that are, are uh, interested in uh, tinkering and experimenting or they're interested in building or they have absolutely no idea what they wanna do. Um, and uh, so uh, we've started working with a a local trades organization that does apprenticeships uh, for plumbers and electricians and, and others in the construction trade because the construction trade is also having difficulty um, recruiting new members. Every mom and dad seems to want their child to go to university and become a, a dentist. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we need people to build buildings and then we need people to fix them and maintain them. And so I'm working with this trade organization um, uh, to, to try and bring some people onto our job sites. And uh, they're offering some wage subsidies. And uh, we're looking at putting something uh, more formal together in terms of a introductory apprenticeship. Um, we, of course, don't have a, a formal legislated trade because we're not a we're not unionized like the electricians or the plumbers or the millwrights um but uh, uh in in my experience over the years i've found that a lot of folks that started by working with their hands end up running businesses um, and probably should have gone to university in the first place but we're just never um, all that happy sitting around a classroom uh, doing nothing or, uh, you know, repeating things that they had to memorize. So um, it's either way, uh, AV off offers uh, young people, a, a, you know, a lot of good steady work and a lot of career growth opportunity. And of course, you know, as Chris mentioned about the, the AI and the automation, um, we are we are dancing right on the leading edge of the changes that are happening in our society. And I love I love that. Yeah. Dan, um, I, I will slightly disagree with, with Brock here. Uh, as as a, the father of a 15-year-old, I don't want him to be a dentist, right? <laughs> um, but my son, Christian, is he's going into his sophomore year. And at our local high school, he fell in love with, they have a construction class, a construction arts, and an auto class. And God love him. First of all, he's better at it than I am. So that, that and that's not saying much. But he has developed this love of, of this hands-on stuff. He has this opportunity, just like Brock's saying, to exit high school with the skill set. You've got a, a couple of, of, of young kids as well, much younger than mine. Um, when you look at stuff like you know trade ships, journeyman um, apprenticeship programs, and, and then you look at, at ways that both Cedia and you know, Avixa have evolved over the years for their training programs, you know, how can Avixa, how can Cedia, um, Cedia Expo coming up, help the, 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 the industry train the next generation? I think training that next generation is so, so important because as you know, as someone who's been around the industry for a long time, as all of us have been, so many people just kind of found their way into the industry. Even the 40 under 40, you talk to so many of them who are absolute rock stars and they're like, oh, I was a bartender, then this happened, then that happened, and now I work for an integration company or now I work for a consultancy. I think it's so important to have a mindful path. I mean, we mentioned Tom LeBlanc, we mentioned the Ignite program. I think having those really mindful paths to try to create 
create a place where, you know, Tom refers to our industry as the bubble. Create a pathway to pierce that bubble, bring people in. I was just at the NSCA uh, golf outing uh, earlier in the week yep. raising money. I think we raised about $45,000 in total for the NSCA Education Foundation. I think those kinds of programs, Ignite programs, internship programs, apprenticeship programs, whether they're done under the auspices of a trade association, or under the auspices of an integrator like CTI, under the auspices of a manufacturer like Crestron, so incredibly important. Actually, earlier this uh, summer, earlier this month, I was at Crestron's headquarters in Rockley for their uh, Crestron Internovation Expo. I think they had something like 90 Crestron interns in their class yeah. in 2023. They flew them in from all over the country, those from New York, New Jersey, those from Texas, those from all over the place. They were really investing in these students, giving them incredible access to their own internal leaders. Uh, Chris Fitzpatrick, who we all know, called the internship program a cornerstone of Crestron's talent strategy. I mean, they are not treating this as a nice to do or a nice to have or a PR move. They're treating it as a cornerstone of how they're building their talent pipeline. And as a result, a very substantial percentage of their entry level hires come from that internship program. So I guess my message would be whether you're a trade association, whether you're an integrator, whether you're a vendor, it is worth investing in. It's worth investing in mindfully. And it's also worth broadening outside of the traditional, quote unquote, you know, pro AV channel. Look at, you know, uh, women engineering societies, look at HBCUs, look at those who are underrepresented in our community and reach out mindfully to them. That's another thing Crestron is doing. It's about being present. It's about going to, whether it's Tuskegee or Morehouse or Spelman, go to these campuses and find the next generation of talent and find them mindfully as opposed to having them amble into our industry by accident. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Something that Dan said that I thought was really spot on was um, these higher education pathways are brilliant. They're great. And there's so many other non-traditional spaces to identify talent. Thank you for mentioning that, Dan. As, as most of us know, the Loop Lab is the organization I founded dedicated to bringing young people uh, of color and, and also women into the industry, in the pro-AV industry. And we are not sponsored by a university. We're, we're not affiliated, at, at least with the higher education space. However, we're preparing a lot of young people to get into the industry. And so I think thinking about other spaces, such as like what Dan was sharing, uh, for certified apprenticeship training, for internship training, is really going to be critical. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a, there's a number of other uh, organizations. There's one in, in Maryland, um, in Baltimore area that, that has, and then there's one in, in New York. Uh, as well. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Our next story comes to us from AV Magazine. LG has unveiled a groundbreaking quote unquote achievement in the world of technology with the introduction of the first ever wireless OLED. I picked this because I like OLED. If you don't like OLED, you can stop listening now because I'm going <laughs> to geek out for a second. All right. This sucker is 97 inches. It's a 97 inch display. It marks a significant stride forward, showcasing LG's prowess in pushing the boundaries of OLED. The number one key feature is its capability to send 4K wirelessly. Quick story, and then I'm gonna start with Brock. Back in the olden days when I was a tech manager, um, our, our president wanted to, he wanted to move around this, this asinine podium, right? And this sucker was 300 pounds. It took five of us to move. It had a dedicated connection in the floor with like multi-pin VGA. Well, he wanted to move it like 10 feet that away. 
but he still wanted to present from the computer. Kids, it didn't exist. This is before ClickShare, okay? Understand how old I am. Um, so it was $1,000. I still remember this. It was $1,000 for this thing that looked like two Sega Genesises, right? If you're too young, go Google it. Um, one was the transmitter. One was the receiver. And it went 25 feet for VGA. Most huh? of the time. Most, Most of the time. Well, yeah, that sucker didn't work, right? That was the other part is it didn't work. Now, Brock, we're talking about freaking 4K wireless. Like, wh where do we see this, like, going? Where do we see? I'm not going to ask you about 8K. That's just that's stupid for a second. But in, in all reality, you know, where do we see, you know, the, just the wireless transmission of video in general, and especially now that we're talking about 4K, which is a higher bandwidth, higher data rate? Um. I, I felt pretty dumb reading that article actually because I thought I thought we were already transmitting 4K wirelessly. No, it's um, AV over IP. <laughs> no, no, we we have we have 4K click shares. That's true. Um, and uh, and so you know, please define your 4K. Uh, anyway, I I think that it's uh, I think it's awesome for uh, for LG to say you know what. I don't want your Miracast. I don't want your Apple uh, AirPlay. Uh, we're going to get you to sign up to our own little um, uh, own little wireless uh, transmission system. And of course, it probably only works on our computers, our phones, and and our set top boxes. But it'll be a hundred percent wireless, except for that electrical cord um, <laughs> that you have to plug in anyway. I just I I laugh when marketing people write stuff like that uh, all right <laughs> uh, 4k is awesome oled is awesome i happen to own both um and uh you know and we'll carry on but uh, uh certainly in my client base uh wireless is what we're doing first and people care a lot more about wireless uh, capabilities wireless conferencing now especially uh, not having to plug anything in than they do about resolution because mm. the TVs pretty much can make anything look good now. Yeah. Um, Dan, you, you certainly asked and answer that question as well. But additionally to that, one thing that, that Brock mentioned there is you, we have click shares, right? Mm -hmm. Not to be stupid, but we also have wireless um, internet. We've got cell phones. We've got this, that, and the other. There comes a point here where higher education and corporate needs to start managing the bandwidth in their space. Right, where you're gonna have, I mean, here's the thing, there's a reason that the government sold off a bunch of wireless spectrum and that was to, to give it to whoever, but it's becoming congested too. So, you know, where do we see the, the, the wireless traffic jam happening in, in corporate and higher education? Yeah, I, th I think that that's a very good question. When I was reading this story, the first thing I was thinking of is all the years I spent covering, you know, wireless microphones and all these kinds of issues. You're talking about stadium deployments or, you know, rock concerts or whatever it is, and you're battling for bandwidth. Anytime you're dealing with that kind of wireless spectrum, those issues are potentially going to be there. And I think it, it remains to be seen, given the fact that I think our industry collectively, whether it's wireless audio or wireless video, it does not seem necessarily to carry the weight that some other stakeholders have that are vying for, for bandwidth and vying for space. 
Um, but it's very interesting, the story in terms of, uh, you know, OLED, you know, we're hearing a lot about it. I know, as you said, uh, Tim, you're a big fan. I know, Brock, you're a fan. I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with it. I'm not an OLED owner, but um, it'll be interesting to see the market penetration of this technology and whether this makes a, a dent in terms of increasing it overall. I know the prices are very high right now. I think it said for the 97 inch in this case, it's something like 28,000 pounds because I believe it's starting in the UK first. Yep. down to a mere 6,000 pounds for the 77-inch model. So that, that's the, the bargain basement model. Um, but it's it's interesting to see where this goes. And um, I, I'm curious to see how it's deployed across verticals, be it in corporate, be it in education, be it in retail, what they think is the, the maximum application for this, where you can derive the maximum benefit. Because as we all know these days, it's not just about the technology in and of itself. It's not about whiz-bang. It shouldn't be about specsmanship. It's about effectuating an outcome, a positive outcome for clients, and in, in particular verticals for particular situations. So I'm curious to see how this is not just marketed, but actually effectuated in terms of delivering an outcome as opposed to delivering a wow-bang spec. Well, Chris, I'll, 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 I'll jump off that, that same question that, that Dan just said. Where do we see this? Right? Is this more of a, of a one-off, oh my God, you have a wireless in your lobby, or is it a little bit more widely dispersed and widely uh, introduced across classrooms or across, across boardrooms? No, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that LG's OLED TV launch really showcases a future where the AV industry as a whole is leaning heavily into wireless integration. So I don't think this is a one-off. I think that this is the future, if not the present. Yeah. And, I, and I think this really shifting in terms of the consumer demands and desires um, and because a huge part of this is also prioritizing the user experience, the consumer experience. And as we all are maybe familiar with some of the older televisions, there's a lot of wire clutter. But just imagine a future where you have reduced the wire clutter and at the same time have a more aesthetically pleasing situation in your living space. And so I think being able to address all of those things uh, are, is, is definitely not going to be a one-off. I do think that if there's a way to address some of the, um, the price barriers uh, in order to make it more ma mainstream. I think that might be LG's next step and other organizations that are, are looking to produce similar kinds or comparative, uh, comparative type of OLED uh, con uh, TVs. But with that being said, I, I think this is really the future and is the wave of where this, this entire industry is going in terms of OLED. I, I would agree with that and give, give oh, them a goodness. second. It's all marketing BS. Oh, stop it. All right, last story. <laughs> no, hang, hang on a second. I mean, I have an LG OLED sitting behind my, uh, sitting uh, in my living room. And the only thing that that OLED TV is plugged into is the wall because the content that is delivered to it, um, it both comes, I, I have an Apple TV attached to the back of it and I have a, uh, a an IPTV style cable box attached to the back of it. They both plug into power too, but they're both receiving all of their signals wirelessly. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's no different and, and, uh, and it isn't really revolutionary. Um, but I did want to circle back uh, uh, to something that Dan said, uh, or, or you, the conversation about bandwidth management. Um, those particular click shares, uh, we, we happen to have a deployment uh, at a car manufacturer's uh, where we got a complaint this week that the ones that are sitting on 2.4 gig network are somehow 
interfering with the PLCs that are running the car manufacturing equipment. Oh. Hmm. And, uh, and we don't know how that's possible or why that's possible, but there is a large automobile manufacturer that is currently spending a whole bunch of IT type money trying to sort out uh, whether in fact there is some active interference. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all getting, uh, they were legacy pieces. I think they're all getting moved onto, onto 5G yeah. uh, or, or simply, you know, uh, being used in local SSID mode. Um, but it, it, there is some real world interference stuff happening out there that we never knew about before. And that's a story. Well, the other part of that story is the fact that all of our governments keep selling off our bandwidth, but that's, <clears throat> that's yeah. me getting on a soapbox that I probably shouldn't get on. Um, Apologies for interrupting, sir. No, 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 no. I mean, that's, here's the thing. I spent last week with sure, which is why I wasn't here. Um, and long conversations with that company and, and God love them, them and, and uh, they, they actually partnered with Sennheiser and a couple other folks when the, the government was um, just, just starting to talk about selling out the bandwidth. And one of the, the gentlemen from Sure uh, raised a point to me, which I found very funny. He said, here's the spokesperson for Google explaining why wireless wireless Microphones have no in, no business. They 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 don't have a dog in this fight. They shouldn't be heard. And he's talking to Congress on a freaking wireless sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But they, have, right. when, they really when, do have the, the the ear of the decision makers, though. To your point, I mean, when, when Google yeah. speaks, the decision makers, the policymakers listen. I don't know. I mean, I think collectively, we as an industry really try to to advocate for our our applications and our users and our needs. But do we have the voice of Google or of you know the case, whatever the case right. might be? All right, hang on for a second. We're we're not going to get the last story, and that's okay. Some of us do. And and it is a disagreement I have had with Avixa for a very long time. This is not new. Avixa is based in Virginia. They're right outside of D.C. and they have been for years for a reason. Um, you know, I did an interview with Mr. Labuskas a couple of years ago, and, and he explained his points, and I asked questions, and you can check it out. I'll make Mitchell put a link to it. But I I still feel like Avixa and NSCA and other organizations, Cedia, the organization should have a hand in this. And there are some of them that do it better than others, right? But putting all the onus on a wireless microphone manufacturer or a consortium of them, I think is a bit unfair because if you look at the totality of the show floor of Infocom in June this past year, darn near 80% of those folks use wireless in some way, shape or form. Crestron uses wireless, Extron uses wireless, Aurora, you, I mean, they all use some form of that bandwidth. So yes, we should all come together under an organization. Funny thing is, we got several, um, and and I think that they they should all could they could all do a better job of lobbying. Um, well, yeah. not saying that. Hang on, I'm not saying that they have Google money. Don't misunderstand, right? I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that Avixa has as big of a stick as Google. I am not, but I think that they could, you know, them and NSCA and others could do more. Go ahead, Brock. But the FCC is not uh, selling off the spectrum that everybody else's wireless is using. They're selling yeah. off the lower band. Well, they're selling off the lower 
frequency ranges. They kind of started at the bottom and they're moving up. Um, and, uh, and manufacturers like Sure have in fact um, made, uh, you know, transition some technology. Their MX wireless uh, technology is not operating in the RF bands, the traditional RF bands. It's yeah. it up in the Wi-Fi uh, bands up, you know, 2.4 and higher. And, um, and is a, a, a very different kind of a thing. Most of our wireless frequencies don't have to travel long, long distances so that they can have, uh, you know, higher frequency, shorter bandwidth um, uh, kind of, of capabilities. Uh, it is, you know, it is the stadium uh, touring uh, intercom broadcast worlds. The broadcast people are the ones that should be in this fight they have money live yeah. nation live nation uh you know as a presenter of show tours has way more money than um a lot of the evixa especially you know this week when they're uh, selling taylor swift tickets in toronto um uh, way more money than uh, uh, a bunch of small uh, audio manufacturers and it's uh, it's a challenge and you know i i think Tim, we have to circle back to conversations that Josh Schrago um, had brought up uh, to the FCC. Was that six or seven years ago now? Yep. Uh, when they were doing one of the first uh, sell-offs. Um, it's tough. Uh, our industry associations do not have the money uh, to contribute to the PACs and do the lobbying. You know, Betsy used to lobby for Avixa yep. uh, back in, in, the, uh, in the Infocom days. But this is, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a narrow issue, um, and uh, uh, and our governments, all governments, are making billions with a B of dollars, uh, selling space to telephone companies and uh, and entertainment providers. So it's what do you do? You, you rant and then you move on. All right, well that's it for us. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Mr. Mr. Christopher Hope uh, from the Loop Lab. Thank you, sir. Thank you uh, so much. How can people get a hold of you or the Loop Lab? Absolutely. Uh, people can get a hold of me at uh, chope at thelooplab.org, my email address. And also look at the Loop Lab website, www.thelooplab.org. Right. Mr. McGinnis, thank you, sir, as always. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or Nationwide? Um, well, they, uh, I'm Brock at NationwideAV.com, uh, Brock McGinnis on Twitter. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn, and, and uh, mostly when people reach out to me, I, I respond one way or another. Um, it was uh, great to be on the show with both of you. Uh, Chris, you, uh, you embarrassed me by how well prepared you are. Um, uh, excellent job. You're, uh, you're a great guest for, uh, for these kind of shows. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Farisi, um, tell people how to find you, but also how to find uh, CI Expo and, and, and Cedia uh, and where you and I can hang out together at, uh, in Denver. Sure. Really appreciate having been invited, Tim. Great to be on with you, Brock. Great to be on with you, Chris. Uh, you can find me on at Dan Farisi Edit on Twitter. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. You can go to commercialintegrator.com to check out all of our journalism or go to expo.commercialintegrator.com to find out about CIX 23. September 7th to 9th in Denver, co-located with CDA Expo. Great opportunity to bring the resi worlds and the commercial worlds together 
and just uh, kind of build up those synergies between the technology trades. We really believe that those those walls are coming down brick by brick, and we want to create an atmosphere where people can really lean into the convergence of the technology trades. Don't don't throw anything at, at me, um, Parisi. It's almost like a like a like a U.S. version of ISE. I'm just going to put that out there. So, um, by the way, when does the forty under forty come out? 40 under 40 is going to drop at the end of August. We don't have a specific launch date yet, but it'll be probably before September 1st. We have everyone lined up really, really excited this year. We have 20 men, 20 women, a bunch of people in their 20s as well as in their 30s. I feel like it is a, a an incredible addition to the canon that we've built. This is our 10th year doing it, and I'm incredibly excited to unveil this list of 40. It, it is your ninth year doing it. Is it the ninth? I think it's the 10th. It is your ninth year doing it. And the reason I know that is because Chris Netto was on your first 40 under 40, and he was 40 that year. So maybe it's your 10th edition. Maybe tenth that's edition. It. Your 10th yeah. edition. Yeah. Ninth, yeah. ninth year, but the 10th edition. Got ninth it. year, 10th edition. Yeah, because Chris is 49 this September. You all should tell him happy birthday at, 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 CD, at CDA and CI Expo. So. I will. I will. Um, all right. For me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on Twitter. Don't follow me on X either. Uh, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, Dan and I both talked about Cedia and CI Expo. You will find me there September 7th through the 9th, hanging out in Denver, going out and seeing a bunch of folks, uh, hanging out with, with Parisi when I can, I can nail him down. Uh, also, we've also got uh, the start of our, our previews for that. So we're talking to some folks that are doing going to be showing there. I uh, also have an interview with... Um, uh, Brittany uh, DeCessory and uh, Steve Greenblatt about their session. Uh, they're teaching uh, a personality uh, quiz and, and how they manage their folks uh, based on personalities uh, at Stevia and CIX. So yeah, uh, all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. This is Jennifer Goodyear and Erica Carroll from, from the, the Women, Women in, in AV, AV podcast, podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts.